the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. There's a famous saying out there. That says something along the lines of mothers don't let your kids grow up to be cowboys. I think that's bunk. I say mothers don't let your kids grow up to be poetry majors. History majors. No chance that they do anything with a philosophy major. English degree is pushing it, but at least it's better than a philosophy major. Parents and children alike have run into a major amount of stress. College. It used to be you were stressed about leaving home. Who's going to wash my underwear? How am I going to self-regulate so that I'm not dead of alcohol poisoning after two weekends? These stressful issues that were on college kids' minds across the United States. I remember... Will I get into my first choice college? Will I get into my second choice college? What if they all say no? That's pretty stressful. I think a top concern parents and students share these days is paying the tab. Parents and students. That debt burden is something we fear. Probably more so than Freddy Krueger. Probably more than Jason Voorhees. We fear massive amounts of debt, debt burden, servicing debt burden. I drove my last car into the ground. I had no debt on it, and it felt pretty good. A majority of students and parents say their biggest concern is the level level of debt to pay for the degree. And again, let's talk to people who are under 35. Can you buy a house? You'll hear them go, I don't know if I can afford it at this point in time. I feel like I'm chasing it at this point in time. I was at a -A P-A-R-T-Y this weekend. Party, party, party. And one of the P 
people there was like, I couldn't afford my house that I bought six years ago. I couldn't afford it today. Remember six, seven years ago, we were in a down market for housing. That gave people an opportunity to sneak in. Very, very quiet. I'm going to buy a house. Ah. Like people snuck in and bought a house. And they're saying today I couldn't afford it. So I feel pretty bad for people who are younger than me. And again, a lot of that is projecting. But a majority of students and parents feel like servicing debt's a stress. Um, I talked to a guy who had a kid just graduate pre-kindergarten. Pre-kindergarten. And he goes, I'm so happy it's over. I was paying $800 a month. I'm like, let me figure that out. Let's just say it's six months. That's $1,600. That's $2,400. It's probably like $3,200. It's probably preschool last eight months, right? Because you don't get four months off for summer. But you do get some time off for Christmas and such. $2,500 to $3,200. That's more than we were paying for college 20 years ago for a semester for half a year. For half a year pre-kindergarten in the Bay Area, it's as much as it is for half a year of college 20 years ago. And that's the boogeyman. That's what I fear. That's my Jason Voorhees. That's my um, Freddy Krueger, is inflation. And we've had a, a nice burst of inflation in the last six, seven years in housing prices. And college costs as well. So I started talking about college costs. They've been increasing rapidly over the past decade, making me feel like an old man because, like I said, 20 years ago, a public four-year school is now $19,500 per year. Per year. A decade ago, was $12,000. Dollars. I'm doing my impression of that guy from uh, Jeopardy. Was it Wink Martindale? Of course not. Anyway, listen to this. Tuition plus room and board at a private university, $44,000 per year. Ten years ago, it was 29000 That's a lot of scratch. College costs have increased two times to three times faster than the rate of inflation. Almost nine in ten college hopefuls say financial aid will be very or extremely necessary. That's not good. Because I believe the children are our future. We need them to have jobs. You know why? Because once you have a job, you become attractive as a mate. You either have good birthing hips, nice teeth, a job. Something makes you attractive to a mate. And once you have a mate, you make a baby. And once you have a baby, oh God, the whole cycle's begun again. You buy a house, you settle down, you get a minivan. Not a minivan, yes, you get a minivan. You spend good dollars and cents on a minivan. The most unsexy vehicle on the planet. You've lost all sex appeal. You have now entered the zone of suburban dad. You buy a house that's bigger than the apartment that you had, but when you had an apartment, you had friends over, you had lady visitors, but now you buy a house that just makes you want to die. But you look at that house and you go, oh, I can't afford that house. Or if that house goes up to $3 million, I'm selling it. 
So you start becoming very, very stressed. You work longer, you work harder. You have a heart attack. That heart attack's going to cost you $50,000 out of pocket. Potentially. 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 I'd say at least $12,000. i have never seen anyone walk away from a heart attack without at least $12,000 in extra expenses that insurance don't cover. So the doctor makes money. He buys a bigger, nicer house, even though doctors aren't buying bigger, nicer houses. Doctors have it kind of tough right now because the insurance industry's doing everything they can to nickel and dime. It's not as good to be a doctor as it used to be. But then again, it's not as good to be anything as it used to be. When I got into television 16 years ago, someone did my makeup. I know you're saying, that's a perk? Yeah, yeah, in San Francisco when you have someone put makeup on you and you're not doing it yourself, it's a perk. A lot of backstabbing in the news game. I mean, you have to watch your back. Oh, good God, if you only knew. There was a guy whose initials were PW who had a little bit of a drinky, drinky problem on air. That's all I'm going to say. He had a bottle of scotchy scotch scotch right next to the anchor desk. You stay classy, San Diego. We all know what San Diego means. You stay classy, San Diego. We all know what San Diego means, right? Um, It's an anatomy part of a whale. According to Ron Burgundy. Um, so the good news here is that there's a lot of financial aid. There's $150 billion in financial aid, mostly grants, work, study programs, and loans. But when you, your kid goes to college, don't let him grow up to be a cowboy. Don't let him grow up to be a poet. Because you're going to be paying, like I said, roughly $44,000 for one year of private school. That equals, in my math, $160,000, $172,000 plus $176,000 over four years. And $20,000 for a public school equals $80,000, right? So imagine your kid now from 18 to jump them up to 25. What degree are they getting that's going to start paying that back, that investment back? It's important to get your kid thinking about what their degree is going to be, believe it or not, very early in the college process. I'm Roberto Negro. You can find me online at robloxshow.com. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Um, Sometimes it's worth studying what rich people do. um, And sometimes it's just worth studying in passing and saying, you know, okay, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Warren Buffett, someone we often quote, is like, ooh, he just took a stake in Heinz. Now, he may not have taken the same stock stake that you could take. He may have taken, like, powerful bonds that can convert into magically more money um, with less risk. 
So you always kind of have to tweak it a little bit. Carl Icahn for a while could do no wrong, and then suddenly Carl Icahn as an investor could seem to do no right. Um, so be cautious looking for gurus out there. Um, big story out there about one of the new Model X Teslas, you know, suddenly accelerating scary into a wall by itself while parking. Um, turns out, no, it didn't actually suddenly accelerate. It was driver error. Someone who thought they were slamming on the brakes uh, slammed on the accelerator. 800-516-1220. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, host of Focus on Wealth, heard every day here, Monday through Fridays at noon on this very station. Let's talk about the six success factors for retirement. These are success factors. Like These are things that have to go your way in order to make your retirement go smoothly. And it's all financially oriented. One of the first success factors is a flexible retirement date. Now, I know some people, Chad, and I have a friend who her dad just recently was like 55, 56, 57, lost his job. And he's taken out employment, and basically that's his retirement date. He doesn't want to go back to work. Uh, it's the give-up retirement. It's the give-up retirement. Yeah, it and happens a lot. And I'm like, he has to be more flexible. I looked at his finances. He doesn't have enough. You know, here's what happens. A lot of people that retire based on an age rather than a portfolio value or the give-up type of retirement, So a lot of times it comes from depression. So the give-up retirement is like, oh, I lost my job. I'm 50-something. And it's really a depression issue. Like they feel it's a worth okay. issue that they can't get past. And maybe that's some counseling and whatever it may be to get past that. Those that retire with an age in mind, regardless of how many, how much they have in assets to support their retirement, typically it's because they've had a horrible work-life balance. Most people hate their job that don't have a work-life balance. Okay. If you have a work-life balance, you can get your day, you know, go through your day and use it as a way to fund the balance part of your life, the things that you enjoy. Okay. Those same people that retire with that date in mind rather than a portfolio value since they didn't have any balance, they also don't have anything to do in retirement. So not only do they not have enough assets, but they're bored. Okay, that's pretty bad because then they're staying at home watching Oprah. Right, and that's what happens, and, they, and that is enjoyable to them for the first year because they couldn't stand their job. They hated the person next to them that they worked with or the group that they worked for or the toxic environment, whatever it may be, and they're fine for a year doing nothing, and then they get bored. But then they also realize they don't have enough money to go travel and do the things that you're supposed to be doing in retirement. The best retirement, the happiest clients that I have yeah. are the ones that say, I don't know how I had time to work. I'm so busy now. For me personally, and I, I don't want to make it all about me, but I'm starting to think, you know, when do I want to take my foot off the gas? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm trying now to do things like volunteer work so that later when I do retire, I won't be kind of like a fish out of water. Right. My, my retirement's going to be probably re- uh, charity work as well as... Um, oh, you know, maybe college classes mm-hmm. because, you know, so now I, I need to take a college class soon, kind of get that feel. Do I still like doing this yep. as much as I used to 20 years ago? Uh, but that's my retirement plan. I don't really want to see the Sphinx. It's just a big rock in the desert. No interest. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. No, and I've, I'm considering putting off my retirement, ideal retirement age and asset goal um, so I can afford to heliski once a year. I mean, I went and, you know, as you know, I got married out of helicopter on a heliski trip. It's an expensive deal. It's a bucket list type of, of an event. So, but it's so much fun to me that I would rather put off my retirement 10 years in order to be able to heliski every year for the next 10 years. How pricey is it? If you're talking for a, the Canadian trip that we went on. It's usually like six grand a person for a five to seven day trip. 
That's not terrible. Yeah, but you're talking about two people. You're budgeting a thousand dollars a month for for you fun. Have, you could afford. If it. you put a thousand dollars a month into a 401k, you know how wealthy you're going to be after 10 years. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. But you could get. But I, I'm 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 willing. Yeah. I love my job. I love the people I work with. You don't cut retirement savings, do you? No. Okay. No, it's just a matter of I know I could retire earlier, but so let's talk- I enjoy the work. I I'd rather, I'd rather do adventure while my knees and hips can take it. So let's explain this idea of putting off retirement age. Mm-hmm. Um, realistically, one of the reasons you want to do it, you know, if you can put off until seventy, you get more social security. Um, but should you put off retirement, for instance, if your health is not good? Um, it depends. It's, so if you're a single person yeah. and your health's not good. Then probably not. No, I mean you've got to realize. But at the same time, you could get five years into it and realize that your health's better than you thought, or there's some sort of a medical advance. There's always that risk if you're if you make that decision. But let's say you're uh, an, an older guy, right? right? And you could work another couple of years and maximize your Social Security, um, but you choose not to because you're not well, you're not healthy enough. But your spouse is healthy, so maybe you should continue to work, max out your Social Security. So that when you pass away, she has a larger 401k and a larger Social Security check. Um, so it really depends on the situation and what's important to you and what the other spouse is willing to do if, if you're not healthy. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring it up because I'm starting to get to the point where I've worked really, really, really hard. And I do like the idea of, you know, getting out earlier before later because I don't think I'm going to live a really long life. I've worked really hard. I don't sleep well. I've been, yeah. you know, slightly overweight a lot. So... <laughs> When I go, I'm going to go pretty fast. There's the skinny Rob and the chubby Rob. Skinny Rob was 20 years old. <laughs> he hasn't been skinny for many, many years. I, I refer to myself as puffy. So I'm not exactly fat. Because you like pie charts so much. I do like pie charts. My favorite pie chart is how much pie I've eaten. With that said, it's CFP Chad Burton. and you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. The United States has a big problem. We've got a lot of debt. At the same time, a new pair of Nikes come out, and we were like, ooh, I like Nikes. <laughs> and we're like, can we really take a look at our budget? And can we afford this? We have 6.6 trillion reasons that a recession should come soon, and it will. At some point is the problem. We don't know when. The corporate sector has taken on a substantial amount of debt in the current business cycle. Non-financial corporate debt has increased by $2 trillion dollars. Um, corporate debt as a percentage of gross domestic product has reached a level previously seen only just before the two most recent recessions. So not just do you and your neighbors go, woohoo, let's charge it. But corporations are throwing off a lot of money too. And they're not buying Nikes. They're buying buildings. They're buying employees. They're buying research. They're buying stock backs, stock buybacks. So if there's a tightening of credit conditions either on corporations or on consumers, there's going to be some defaults. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
Call Rob Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Market's a little bit lower today. Taking a look to see if there's any, like, I don't want to say smoking gun because that's a little bit dramatic, but we hit new record highs on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the NASDAQ, and the S&P 500 yesterday. That's, like, pretty good, right? Those highs were established on light volumes. So that's not so good. But it's fair to argue that lack of selling interest had much more to do uh, than with, you know, a lack of buying interest. Surge in oil prices, an underlying measure of enthusiasm of the S&P 500, closed, holding support. Uh, people feel good making highs. Now, again, you wish it was more volume because it's a little bit more conviction. Nordstrom posted better than expected second quarter results. Macy's um, did well by saying we're going to shut down some stores. J.C. Penney's topped expectations. That's nice to see. That's a company that kind of got fleeced of, of uh, billions of dollars of sales in the past few years. Germany reported a stronger than expected second quarter GDP, yet its good news has been met with a muted response in Europe. Um, elsewhere out there, the markets kind of weakened this morning. You know, they I'm not going to say they're 24-7 because they're not, but as we started opening Opening indications were going to be like, oh, in, in the next hour, it looks like we're going to open a little bit weaker, a little, a little bit stronger. Um, retail sales report was was positive. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the producer price index for July featured a four-tenths percent decline in the final demand index, following a five-tenths percent increase in July. That downturn in July was paced by prices for final demand services, motor vehicle parts and dealers. It did lovely. Kind of an offset of some of the retail numbers. So we're getting pickier about what we're buying. Gasoline prices were down about 2.7%. Or gasoline sales were down about 2.7%. And maybe that's a little bit in the summer. Maybe it's just, you know, um, the price. As the price goes lower, if we're all getting the same amount of gallons, the retail sales looks a little bit lower. So core retail sales, which exclude auto and gas stations, as well as food, um, kind of flat. So not bad news. Not great news, but definitely not bad news. Crude oil sits at about $44 a barrel, so really not going anywhere fast. Uh, gold sits uh, 1356 an ounce, silver slightly higher today, so there's a little bit of fear in the markets. Uh, the 10-year treasury sits at 1.48%, so any number under 35 3.25 tells you economic conditions are perilous around the world. Um, so we have a very, very low cost of money. Jobless claims yesterday dipped to 266,000. It's just the crazy longest stretch of uh, low unemployment. So we're not hiring a lot of people. Some, you know, automatically some. But um, the wages are getting a little bit better, which is kind of a nice bit of commentary we haven't been able to say in the last couple of years. Um, but we're definitely not firing a lot of people. So we're still pretty good to go. And let's bring in Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Good morning, Rob. So the jobs report has to be pretty encouraging to you. People have jobs. People, you know, um, as they get older, they make a baby, and as well, they fall in love, and make a spouse, and then they make a baby, and then they need more space, and they want to move to better neighborhoods. That's encouraging for you because when we don't have jobs, we get depressed, and that's that's actually kind of an interesting time because that's when 
the younger women start looking at the older women, <laughs> men who have jobs. Yeah. I've noticed that in the past. But yeah, sugar mama. Is that something? No, we don't have to go there. But go ahead. How's business these days? Good. You know, when you see the jobs report, it's it, you know it's something that we definitely keep an eye on because uh, I think the first and immediate impact would be a rate hike, possibly coming up in December. I think that's what we're going to hear Yellen talk about in the 29th of August. Um, I think she's in Jackson Hole. I think that's where the speech is going to be. But um, that's what the first thing that we see. And, and that's going to immediate effect to people who have equity lines and anything that's tied to the, the prime rate. Um, and, it, you know, with the yield, you just talked about how the yield is down 1.48, I think you said. That's down from last week. And it's encouraging to see probably push interest rates a little bit lower, Rob. So we might see next week's Freddie Mac survey hit all-time lows uh, based on some of this news. So sometimes when the markets do what they're doing, we get a flat retail sales, and they kind of panic a little bit. And then we have weak um, economies overseas. The 10-year yield in U.K., that hit record lows. In Germany, it's near record lows. That's pushing a lot of uh, assets into the United States for safer and uh, and higher returns, and that's going to drop the yields down, and it's helping people buy houses in affordability. So good jobs numbers equals more demand for houses. Home prices can continue going up um, in, in, in respect to the income levels. Uh, that's something that we haven't seen really go up is, is wages, and wages determine home prices. We talked last week about how the median home price in San Mateo, for example, is about where the median income can afford on a dual income. But in Alameda County, it's still got about $150,000 to go. So where are the opportunities for people? Can the home prices continue going up in the places that are already pushing and tapping out that that max level? So wages and and jobs um, kind of go hand in hand. I like jobs, but I like wages more. I hear you on that. So um, your show last night, how was the uh, interest in it? You do a show here on KDOW. Thursday nights. Gordon yeah. Hines. Gordon is our, our new partner. Yeah. How'd it go? Oh, it's uh, Gordon's a great uh, co-host. Um, I've, I've been doing it about five years. Uh, in fact, this is our sixth year starting up in a couple weeks. So we're pretty excited. You know, real estate's, it was really exciting, you know, when there was a lot of activity. It's hard to say it's a hot, hot, hot market right now, which most realtors will say. And that's just because houses, when they hit the market, they sell really fast. But there's not a lot of volume and there's not a lot of opportunities for first time home buyers and repeat buyers, um, with the selection that's out there. So it depends on wh- which way you look at it. But we've had a, a good opportunity to present new products that have come on the market, new guidelines. Um, really keep people interested in, in buying real estate and what it means to them as far as how, how it fits into their portfolio and their retirement plan. Um, I think people are still really excited here in the Bay Area about real estate, and uh, the show fits into it perfectly. So I called your show last night because I saw a letter of resignation from the Palo Alto Planning and Transportation Commission, and I thought it was an interesting read, and if anyone wants a copy of it, they can drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com, and uh, we all know Palo Alto was one of the first area codes in the United States that had all million dollar listings or a million dollar listing, uh, all million dollar listings. And this letter serves as my official resignation from the Planning and Transportation Commission. My family has decided to move to Santa Cruz. After many years of trying to make it work in Palo Alto, my husband and I cannot see a way to stay in Palo Alto and raise a family here. We rent our current home with another couple for $6,200 a month. If we wanted to buy the same home and share it with children and not roommates, it would cost us $2.7 million. 
our monthly payment would be $12,177 a month. That's $146,127 per year in entire professional's income before taxes. This is unaffordable even for an attorney and a software engineer. So she's an attorney and her husband's a software engineer, and she's sharing a house with another couple, not having kids because where would they go? $6,200 a month, um, and you're sharing a house. $2.7 million home is what it would be worth even though it's probably about 2,000 square feet. Yeah. Um, pretty humbling stuff. So um, This could be the, the origins of a Prop 13 um, repeal. And when you think about it, you, you have a, a – the, the house he's probably renting. Uh, maybe the owners own, had it for many, many, many years, not paying a lot of money on taxes. Uh, and, and then there's tons of other people that are doing the same thing, Rob, and not really generating the incomes for the city to be able to afford to pay this person enough. The letter further goes on and says, it's clear that if professionals like me cannot raise a family here, then our teachers, our first responders, our service workers are all in dire straits. We already see openings at our police department that can't be filled, numerous teacher contracts that we can't renew because of the house, cost of housing is astronomical, not just in Palo Alto, but many miles in each direction. Um, I've repeatedly made recommendations to council to expand the housing supply in Palo Alto so that together we are, uh, with our neighboring cities, we're already adding houses, we can start to make a dent in the jobs housing imbalance. Things like allowing two floors of housing instead of one in mixed-use developments, enforcing minimum density requirements so that developers build apartments instead of penthouses, legalizing duplexes, easing restrictions on granny units, leveraging the residential parking permit program to experiment with housing for people who don't want or need two cars, allowing single-uses areas like Stanford shopping centers to add housing on top of shops would go a long way in adding desperately needed housing. Um, so it just, this is a scathing letter. It's scathing on housing. And again, it's picking obviously the hottest, sexiest neighborhood you can in Palo Alto. In the is, nation, practically. Which has got to be the epicenter of all housing problems. Um, and it ends with, if things keep going this way, yes, Palo Alto streets will look just like they did decades ago, but its inhabitants' spirit and sense of community will be unrecognizable. That's where I don't care about it. When we start going, oh, we're sending the poor artist out. Oh, we're sending poor people out. My child will never see a poor person. Um, but it's pretty scathing when you say a software engineer and an attorney can't afford a house. So is this the, the start of the bubble? Is this the bubble starting to pop? No, I don't think so at all. I don't think so either. That's the sad part. I, I think that uh, he's he's pissed off. I think that he wants to write a letter, and uh, and he can write a letter that's public. Um, and it's going to get a lot of attention. But I, I can't imagine much is going to get done about that when there are people who can afford to live where they live. There's laws that protect people who can, that own their property. Prop 13 is one of them. Then there's child to ch- parent, parent-to-child transfers that can continue to keep that tax basis in the family. It's going to keep going on and on and on. Um, and then the rules about housing. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. What is your thoughts on this? Is the bubble starting to prick, or does it just go higher? Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I kind of want these Olympics to get over so I can stop looking at Michael Phelps' mother. I'm sorry, but she annoys me. I know you're saying you're easily annoyed, Rob Black. Yes, I am. I don't mind looking at Michael Phelps and his magnificent six foot four body that was made for swimming. I don't mind, but his mother just annoys me. She goes around the nation speaking, and you would think she's a celebrity. She got impregnated by Michael Phelps' father. That's her claim to fame. Basically a fish. <laughs> what are those fish called? Aquaman. Aquaman. Beta? Beta fish? Is that what they're called? Uh, Siamese fighting fishes? Uh, anyway. Um, anyway, I just find people annoying. <laughs> I don't know why I just said that out loud. So, taking a look at some of the top stories of the day, um, you know, obviously Wall Street's, I think, always on your mind. Uh, we hit record highs yesterday. So, when you look at the world and you see Putin, and you see high oil, then you see low oil, then you see um, this Chinese is slowing down, hard landing coming, Japan's got problems, low interest rates, Europe's got problems, uh, the UK's coming out of the euro, problems, and record highs on the stock markets. So go open your 401k today and, and strut and be proud. Be proud. Don't be sad. Um, because tomorrow it may not be at an all-time high. And you should see that on occasion. You should remember everything bad that everyone's been telling you about. All those commercials about investing in gold and the stock market collapses right around the corner. All-time highs. So Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Good morning. Does that shock you a little bit when you put it in perspective of all the bad stuff that's out there and you hear about it on a regular basis and, you know, Trump says America's awful, we need to make it great again, and yet our stock market's at an all-time high, which is a reflection of something. Um, from the real estate world, we see a lot of investors coming from abroad that are buying real estate in the United States because they can't make their money work in their own country. And that's a, a, one of the reasons why we see the West Coast just inundated with Chinese investors. Uh, that spend an average of $853,000 on a property. Canadians are coming in spending $350,000 on, on a property. I don't mind the Canadians because they bring in their culture. They bring in their, and their beer and their, their women. Their beer, their women, yeah, their yeah, hockey. hockey. Yeah. <laughs> so you hung around me too much. You're stealing my lines. But <laughs> And their women. And their women. <laughs> their women. Eh? Um, so, yeah, they're, you know, it's, it's interesting to see that home prices are also doing the same thing the stock market's doing. Why is that interesting? Because everybody knows that we're working. Everything's working here. There's the little problems about employment and the little problems about retail sales or GDP or inflation isn't a big problem unless it all happens at once. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to housing in London because, you know, part of the euro thing was you could go from country to country pretty easily. Um, and then I saw Vancouver, Canada recently imposed a 15% tax for a, a property transfer title tax if it goes from a Canadian to a foreigner. And instantly sales went down. So the bubble kind of burst just by saying we're going to tax people an extra 15%. A lot of people think California should do that. Well, we're one of the few countries in the world that will let foreign nationals buy property here. You think we? Uh, you think there's going to be a sea change because of I don't prices? Think, no. Okay. You have an opinion. I like that. I told you, I, you know, I, I don't want to be wishy-washy anymore. I want to give people an opinion. You're doing my mortgage refi right now, and that's a lot Isn't of fun. Isn't that fun? It is a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I've seen some stipulations come through this time that I've never seen come through before. 
Yeah. I had a client uh, send me an email. He, I was asking him for something, and he, he says, man, I really feel for you having to deal with this. And I said, yeah, I do it six, seven, eight times a month. And uh, it, it, it can be a little bit more difficult, and that's really what a good loan officer does is they kind of uh, – they're like an empath in a way. and They, they take away the pain of the transaction, and they, they, they suck it up, and they, they do a good job and, and move it forward for you. But it's getting a lot harder and harder and harder each month to do that. What's interesting to note is I think everyone knows that loans obviously have stipulations. You have to be alive. You have to have a social security number. You have to have income. And that used to be kind of what we thought it was. But now you have to have proof that your bank account isn't laundering money. Yep. So, and you know. Dodd-Frank really put a, a, a big bone in the, in the wheel works uh, for doing mortgages. And anti-steering was anti-steering, anti-money laundering. Those, those are two big ones. Uh, and, um, you know, they want to check and make sure when you buy a house that your down payment's not coming from, you know, some sort of money laundered organization um, or when, so that when you sell your house, it's not going to that same organization and um, funding terrorism. And there, you actually sign a Patriot Act form that says I'm helping uh, fight the funding of, ter- of terrorists. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. The stipulations like I would guess from talking with you, I've probably had, I want to say, 18 stipulations at least. It's not from- over. From the original submission to we need more, 18 times. You're a little bit more more complicated than most. I I will say that for the record. Um, I think everyone thinks that. But even, but even, even (laughs) in many different ways, right? In many ways. Um, uh, Even the person who's W-2 income and and they have great assets, good credit score, and they own a rental property, uh, and they might have some self-employed income. That sounds like the perfect scenario, but. You know, you have to prove that that self-employed in, uh, business is in business. Um, otherwise, you don't use that income. And if you put it on your tax returns, there it is. The lender sees it. Uh, so, it, 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 you know, one thing opens up another. Another thing opens up another. It, it just means it's more important nowadays that you start, if you're going to do a transaction or you're, you're, you're going to sell your house and buy a new house, it doesn't matter. Get in front of a loan officer and, and double-check the things that can make a difference. And, and it's usually going to show up on your tax returns. That's the first indication. Right. In fact, uh, one of the things that came up on my conditions was uh, I had recently applied for a different type of loan where the lender decided to shop my loan. I, I've, I've never seen in the 15, 20 years that I've been doing finance transactions and looking at people's credit, I've never seen a dealership, a car dealership, run your credit eight to ten times in the same day with different creditors. It was I've never seen that before. It's pretty it was, weird, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was pretty strange. So, so I had to fix that. Yeah. That stipulation. So you can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me at Rob Black Show. That's Rob Black Show. Don't be shy. Contact us if you need us. You know where we are. BayAreaLoanSource.com and RobBlackShow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.